0: Hi, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstarter Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is Deepak Dhotri, a longtime domain investor, serial entrepreneur, and angel investor based in India. Today, Deepak and I discuss how developing online portals for headhunting and education paved the path to full-time domain investing. How cornering the .co.in market led to birthing and refining of bulk portfolio buying and selling of premium domains for Deepak. Also hear how Deepak drives sales by limiting renewal length and aiming for quality rather than quantity. Deepak also reveals his 50-50 approach to bulk domain portfolio investing as well as angel investing and domain brokering. And last but not least, Deepak insightfully shares a handful of his latest domain sales, his strategy when pricing domains to sell, as well as just what domain investors can expect in the global market, as well as the local Indian market when buying and selling domain names. So with that, Deepak, welcome, and thank you for making time to join us today. Thanks,
1: Alvin. Thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to talking on the show for quite some time now.
0: Yeah, certainly. So to kick things off, Deepak, briefly share at a high level with our listeners a bit about yourself, who you are, your personal and professional background.
1: So I, I've been a Dominion for a couple of years now. I, I think almost 10 plus years now, but that's not how I started my journey. I started an education portal, an online learning portal in India. And at the peak of it, I, I think we were one of the largest. And then we signed it off uh, to another player. And then I started a headhunting firm. And we used to head on for some of the largest tech giants who have their back office in India. So we did that for a couple of years. And then I think since the year 2005, I stepped into domaining, but really started serious domaining probably three or four years down the line from there. And you can say probably 2008, 2009 was when I really started full-time domaining.
0: Wow. So then, so when you say education portal, like what type of topics were you, were you covering?
1: So we were helping students prepare for online entrance exams so mba medical entrance exams they are a huge thing in india and there are millions and millions of students who take these exams for a limited number of seats during the time i started was the the time when the indian education system was taking these tests slowly from the offline world to the online world and people really did not have a clue how the online system would work so we created a test engine we would which would actually create uh, create a mock-up exam the exact way that you would be doing on, on the D-Day. So we created that kind of a platform with a question bank and we help uh, students prepare the journey from the offline world to the online world and, and get them ready on a subscription-based model.
0: Wow, and then, like how many uh, subscribers did you did you grow it from and two?
1: So finally, when we went it off into a separate company, I think we had a subscription base of almost two million users in India and and a sizable chunk of them were free subscribers. So that, that was a huge business at that point in time when the internet space was just about opening up in India. That was the year, I think, 2000.
0: Now, did you have any prior experience um, in terms of before oh. you actually launched that education portal? Like, were you familiar with online or was that kind of your first foray into uh, online? Straight off college and, and I started
1: my own business. Wow! I, I had a rough idea about the power of internet because I studied in Australia so so okay. when i came back from australia yeah the the penetration of the internet vis-a-vis in australia and india was a huge difference between the two countries so when i came back i, I saw that this is the next wave and that's when i took my first business online and had the conviction that that is going to really take off because that's the way i i saw things moving forward
0: so from there so that educational portal like how long did you run it
1: it still goes on but but it's on autopilot but the other other it's it's the other other uh uh, business people who take care of it now but I ran it actively for five years till it reached a run rate of two million subscribers and then I spin it off into another business because I then jumped into my second big business
0: which was the headhunting business so I guess are you still doing that headhunting business today or
1: oh I shut it down I, I shut it down in the year 2015 I, I shut it down because it, it was getting too competitive and and uh... there were a lot of players and and it was just just getting too much plus the domain business was growing very rapidly which required a full time
0: Gotcha. So you went from the education portal into really headhunting. And then now how did you make that turn or that intersection with domain names? Like when did that come across your radar?
1: So that happened by fluke by chance. In till 2005, (laughs) you couldn't really register a domain name in India. The two primary extensions in India are .in and .co.in until 2005, the, it was a manual intensive process if you wanted to register a domain name. But in the year 2005, the government decided to declutter the space so that anybody and everybody with an internet connection and a credit card could uh, get a domain name. That uh, when I back ordered a lot of names and I ended up with a very valuable .co.in portfolio. I, reg- I was the original registrant of domain names like internet.co.in, law.co.in, technology.co.in, a lot of these names uh, were cornered by me and when i when i finally sold off that portfolio that's what gave me the initial capital to build my portfolio uh, the domain portfolio which everybody sees today it all started from the thousand dollar which i invested in 2005 and thus the
0: capital i invested till date So you started then basically 15 years ago in 2005, kind of cornered that that .co.in market. And then now, how did you, I guess, work your way up in terms of stepping your way into .com investing?
1: So I I took that portfolio and I approached some of the largest players in, in the U.S. market who wanted a piece of that action, but couldn't really get those domain names because they were not aware that these domain names were coming out. And then i sold a majority chunk of that portfolio and then i started reading more and more on it see the, me selling that portfolio was more like fluke because uh, there was somebody interested in getting that and i was the only one with a certain set of domain names which they were interested in so that was more not a business decision it was more like a uh, luck favoring me kind of a thing but then uh, when i really started uh, reading into the industry it got me interested that this is a real viable business which is backed by data points and it's not that you just go and register a 10 dollars domain name and overnight it becomes rags to riches that's what still the general perception is but once you go deep down and and you dig into the matrix and you you see the data points then you get to know that it's a data-backed process if you spend the time to understand the process if you spend the time to understand the data sets, if you spend the time to understand it as a business, there's more to it than a $10 uh, registration using a credit card. It, it's a totally science, uh, different factors. But once I started treating this as a business, it opened my eyes. So then I took that money, which came from the .co.in portfolio, and I took a big decision and I bought, uh, you
0: won't believe it, uh, <laughs> I bought three number.com .com names. So how did how did that even come to mind? Like, you know, because most people would say, OK, well, I, I'll just focus on words. But to, for you to kind of go, OK, well, let's let's just kind of narrow this down to go three letter. Like, where does that kind of come from in the in the thought process?
1: I was reading all these blogs. They used to be DN Forum. They used to be Name Pro. they There used to be a couple of other places. And, and then I was reading the three letters and three number dot coms. So rather than three letters, I went for three number.coms and traffic used to be the conference during that time and Monica used to run the online auction. So that's where I made my first big ticket purchase of, if I remember correctly, four three number.coms. And then once I bought, I I remember correctly, I bought them for 6,500 each and i sold them on cedo a couple of months down the line for nine thousand three hundred apiece had i not sold each of them would have been at least a quarter million dollars each today that's the way i i, I built this business of of buying and selling and then once i got rid of the three number.coms i went into threeletter.co.uk. so there was a big portfolio of 650 3letter.co.uk which i bought in in a chunk from one of the then famous brokers of the industry and then I, I started selling them on, on ecom domains, the largest platform, the forum for .co. Okay. And, uh, I, I sold the majority of my domains there, multiplied the money a couple of times, and then by doing this over a period of time, and then I, I make two, made two big disasters of my domaining career <laughs> till now. I invested in .mobi and .asia. I burnt a lot of money, but. Valuable lessons learned. And then from there on, I just stuck to dot coms.
0: Interesting. Now why, now, why do you think that dot Asia, dot were not successful?
1: To give you an example, I think I had almost 2000 dot Asia domains. Wow. And I sold two. And they were $60 a pop for two years. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of money. 60 euros, I think, so if I'm not wrong. And, and everything was dropped after two years. I, and I just managed to sell two. Dot Moby was a different story. That was a story of greed. I I had a very valuable dot mobi portfolio probably uh, if if you search the internet one of the biggest portfolios among the others and and there were during the, during the hype the crazy peak of the dot mobi scenario there were a lot of good offers which I could have taken and and made a couple of million dollars but then as as greed takes over we all all humans and when the, <laughs> the the graph keeps on going up we think we'll make more And then it all crashed suddenly and you won't believe after a couple of years, I dropped everything for a big zero. But overall, I I broke even but that taught me the lesson that money in pocket is any day more better than money on paper.
0: Oh man that is that is so true and I think that that's the I think that that's probably at least a good percentage of the domain investing population that that tends to be the challenge is well yeah. do do I take the offer today or or you hear you know versus something like uh, I think Rick Schwartz he just recently had a sale It'll like gobet.com that was netted him something like $850,000 so you yeah. you hear things like that and so people like well uh, you know, I have a similar name. So, do I take the thirty five hundred, the you know seventy five hundred dollars, or do I try to wait uh, and pull the proverbial Rick Shorts move? You know, to try to net six figures. Like you said, I mean, it, it's one of those things that, depending on the name, the name may have a short shelf life, um, and so you gotta gotta get what you can while you can versus you know just sitting there waiting and then uh it's it's like holding on to a a, uh, a name like DVD or something like that you know it's like okay well yeah there may be other industries with the uh, acronym DVD but in terms of DVD today it really means nothing you know as opposed to streaming uh you match both of those up and likely is the case streaming.com is going to be way more than DVD although DVD like i said Outside of the comparison of uh, both of those being mediums, DVD, obviously, it could go for way more, but it would be likely a different industry that would pull the value upward rather than downward. But yeah, you're okay. so right.
1: That's the biggest lesson I learned that irrespective of any extension, things will come and go. Dot com is here to stay
0: so coming in in 2005 really kind of getting domains on your radar you you dip your toe in begin to develop a process so then uh in terms of your process and strategy like when did data start becoming important um and when did you start actually using that to, to make decisions on what you purchase and what you purchase and at what price also when you sell and at what price
1: I think it was more like towards 2010 when I became really serious with my domaining journey and started treating this as a full-time business and, and not as a side hustle. Mm. That uh, Because I have a personal philosophy that if, if you try to do something, don't do it as a side hustle, Do is, do it with full conviction as if you're running a fully funded 24-7 business. And unless and until you do that the sincerity the seriousness of it doesn't come within the business you really are not going to succeed if you keep uh, taking it as a, as a side hustle and not not really serious with it so that's the the time when i i started acquiring a names as a portfolio and and when i started doing that i made a theory that i'm going to have three buckets for all the names i acquire one is a long-term bucket which is when i get the ideal price which is like a retirement price <laughs> i'm going to sell it at that point in time only so nothing doing with that, that there's no compromise with those domains then there's a middle bucket which which i typically buy for anything from ten dollars to five hundred dollars and these domains typically say for say for five to eight years time frame but but they give me a five figure return and then there are uh, the foot soldiers domains which i buy with anything from ten dollars to two hundred dollars which typically are the bread and butter of my business and they sell any day and every day between 2,500 to 5,000 and which give me my cash flow of acquiring more and more inventory. And once in a while I have outlier and then I use that money to buy a bigger, better domain name and either put it in a middle bucket or or the bucket, which is the long-term bucket. So that's the theory I follow.
0: Now, with your, with your mid to long-term uh, domains, now, do you renew those you know, for, for some? So like, for instance, myself, I have certain names that are, I won't sell them likely in my lifetime. It'll be you know with my kids. And so with those names, I tend to renew them at sometimes five to 10-year stretches. Do you take that same approach in terms of your renewal strategy? I think the max
1: I've renewed the domain name is three years in advance. I I look it at it this way. It's it's a thought out decision that, uh, if if it sells, why 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 to give give somebody a uh, approach that I have renewed it for ten years, so I have no intention of of parting it with for a long term. See, many times it happens that before GDPR, we used to go through the whois data, and when we see a domain name which is registered till twenty twenty 2020, twenty twenty eight twenty twenty five, <laughs> that gives me a psychological input that the guy is not really too keen to sell or has a different purpose these are basically psychological games which we play in our own mind i might be totally wrong but (laughs) it it puts me on the back foot so for me if it's a really valuable domain name i i renew it for two or three years because i i go through my list every day i go through my portfolio almost on a daily basis so i i know what's coming up for renewal in the next one month and i i renew them in advance but that that's the philosophy I, I follow that. I, I don't want to put anybody on the back foot and, and make them uh, already have a wall in their head that, okay, this, this guy might be a tough and not too inclined to sell, because everything sells it just has to be the right price
0: right indeed everybody has a price and certainly if you if if you call the right number then you know you you are certainly willing to uh let go of it or or even purchase it um yeah. just depending on on what that price is and so like now how has the how has your strategy evolved over the years in terms of because you like you said you were buying portfolios and you've mastered having a strategy that has a long term mid term short term bucket like how is the ebbs and flows of your domain portfolio in terms of its size and quality how has that evolved over time
1: i think quality wise as as you mature as you progress as the sales data from your own sales plus the sales data from in industry references like d and journal name by and all keep on copying It's it, it's an ongoing journey Alvin. i see it this way that the more more we dig deeper the more inputs come in and the more refined your strategy is provided you are willing to put into time. So I take it as an ongoing journey, but it, it has helped me define my portfolio in, into a much shorter one, but a more valuable one. Now I only acquire a couple of domain names a week. But they are really strong domain names. Rather than uh, the the strategy of acquiring a lot of names before, which was the quantity versus the quality game, now I like to play the the quality game. I would rather mm. have a portfolio of just 800 names, but with the 800 names, the annual turnover which I'll achieve can beat anybody with 8,000 names. So that's my strategy now, and that's evolved over a period of time. Now I buy very selectively. But I, I buy names which I see a potential upside of anything from 5,000 to 50,000, which helps me have a more leaner approach, easier to manage. And it it's something I can take a decision on on this per quick. I can move my portfolio direction quickly, which wouldn't have been possible had I had 5,000, 6,000, 8,000 names. Maybe it might be not a good strategy for the long term, but I'm I'm building my portfolio slow and steady.
0: Now that makes that makes complete sense and so you you know you're like you said you literally started out probably leaning more towards the quantity side and yeah. we all know that the by leaning that way, the quantity then ultimately impacts uh, the quality as well as the time that it takes to either sell a domain versus now you're leaning more towards the quality of a domain where your your quantity is likely lowered, but then the time to sell is probably I would imagine a bit a bit quicker uh, than than the the former.
1: Yes, it's certainly the case. But see, you have to see the important lesson I I learned from my previous two businesses was cash flow is king. Many a times when we grow our portfolio to 3,000, 5,000 domain names within a year's time frame or two years timeframe, what happens is the renewals pile up really fast. And, <laughs> and before we realize, we start taking decisions based on the payout which has to happen for the renewal of the domain names. When you have a leaner portfolio, you don't need that money really that much because one good sale might cover the renewal cost of the entire portfolio. So then the rest is gravy the rest doesn't compel you to take decisions because you are in a cash flow or a tight crunch so that's been a theory that if your cash flows are taken care of if your renewals are taken care of and your life sustenance doesn't depend on on what you are earning that's when you can take decisions more based on a free mind and a free will and that's when you can extract maximum value out of a real portfolio
0: right and and i would imagine that having a a lean renewal strategy then also offers the the flexibility in terms of even purchasing private sales as well as probably even participating in expired auctions
1: true see again the cash flow strategy has helped me so brilliantly is that i've always maintained that there should always be a sizable kitty that you keep for unseen unforeseen events which might happen to give you a very pertinent example Four years back, uh, I, I came across a portfolio, which, which was being sold by one of the prominent brokers in the industry, who's a good friend of mine, and and he, he gave me uh, an option to have the first dips on the portfolio. Because I had the money, because I had the cash flow, I was the first one to acquire. And these were some of the best domain names I have purchased ever till date. One of the domain names, I can uh, tell you, co-founder, I just recently rejected a half a million dollar offer which I had shared on Twitter some time back, which was over a period of four years. But it's the kind of cash flow which gave me the opportunity to acquire that portfolio wherein one domain name might have offer of half a million dollars. That's the kind of opportunity we should always be prepared because you don't know what's coming at the next corner. If you have the money, you're going to have the first dibs on some of these portfolios.
0: Is there a rule of thumb that you use in terms of what what percentage you allocate for you know reinvesting into the portfolio versus renewals versus just kind of set aside waiting for those type of purchases?
1: I do so every sale I, I make I invest fifty percent back immediately into the domain business which is an ongoing uh, business fifty percent I set aside from every sale which is uh, a part of the strategy of of scrolling money uh because this is another of my personal philosophy that if you keep making money and keep putting the entire money into the same business there's no personal upside to that business so that's where i keep in in a separate kitty you can say and that's what helps me that there, there's a huge opportunity which comes up if i have the money i can immediately put in or i can utilize the business as i also do angel investment so i i get a lot of companies coming to me uh, with uh, wonderful opportunities. And from this money, which I keep and set aside at 50%, I do value investing in some of these angel investments uh, in the upcoming uh, tech sector. And I've had a couple of exits with a couple of good times multiples what I put in. So that's where my uh, excess savings go in.
0: Interesting. So then in terms of angel investing now, how does, how has that, has that opened up opportunities for you to be able to purchase, sell domains to up and coming companies?
1: Oh, that that's that, another story. So when when I was doing domaining and I I was doing angel investments, I've been pretty active in the space. I've been pretty active with the Chamber of Commerce in my city. I've been pretty active in a uh, few uh, entrepreneurship organizations, which which are famous worldwide like thai.org due to my connect with this and due to my investing background i have been friends with some of the largest vcs in india who are very active investors writing a sizable check into these companies so because they know me as as somebody for them they hardly know anybody who who plays at this scale in the domaining world so i have been a first call of a point of reference for some of these vcs when they want to acquire the dot coms for their companies, for their investing companies, who might be on a .co, .io, .net, .org, .in. And because they trust me, because of our friendship over these many years, I've been the first point of reference call, help a retainership to acquire assets for their companies, which helps them, which helps me, because somewhere I'm invested also in these companies. And if these companies get more branded, more better, I get paid for that. Plus I I get upside because the company also grows.
0: Right. And so that, that's an interesting, so you really find yourself really not only as a serial entrepreneur, not only as an angel investor, and not only really as a, a domain investor, but also it seems like you, you play in that, that realm of brokering as well.
1: Yeah, but that, that's for a select group, see, because uh, the, the problem uh, with, with uh, the Indian domain space is that because it's, it's growing, it's in a very nascent stage. Mm. There's too much to filter. So unless until you you keep a, a a cap over a certain uh, limit, it 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 really is not worth the pile. So if if you really want to play, then it makes sense that you you broker in the five figure six figure range and and play accordingly. I have been into the brokering game for some of uh, the largest companies in in uh, the U.S. tech space.
0: In terms of your domain portfolio, I think you mentioned uh, that you had a portfolio size of something like eight hundred domains. Yes and so out of that what what's interesting to me like now are you redirecting or pointing those domains to sales landers or are you parking any of those like kind of what's your strategy when it comes to how you manage your domain portfolio in terms of are they sales landers are they not even resolving or you know are they parked kind of what's your strategy there
1: so 90% of my domain portfolio, uh, which has very minor traffic in terms of hundred or less visitors a month, they are on dan.com and the balance are on uh, bodies and mm. parking crew. So that that's the mix 10% which make good parking income. They, they sit on bodies and parking crew and the balance 90% pay on Dan, which is, uh, I, I think in the recent times, we have a very good platform. Apart from that, I list my domains on, on afternake, on unit registry. Uh, you, you can put your names for sale even on parking crew, on bodies, so wh- whichever the the options, I list them everywhere, Cedo. But the primary sales channel is uh, Dan and Afternet.
0: How has Dan changed your ability to uh, sell domains?
1: I I think that uh, was a much required impetus in the industry. So since Dan has been there, uh, it it's it's almost doubled my sales
0: wow. because of
1: the. Plain and simple landers, the, the low commission of 9%, if you import a read, just 5%. And it's a very simple interface. People come, people land, people see, uh, they can interact. It's a very clean and clear system. The, the back end is stress-free. So I, I, I think Dan has been really a breath of fresh air for our industry. At least for me, it, it's really doubled my sales in, it, since the time I have migrated my domains on that platform.
0: Now, in a given week or month, like how many sales are you are you producing or realizing?
1: So, I as as I said, I have a smaller portfolio, so I I, I don't make a lot of sales. But whatever sales I make, uh, they they are quite good in in terms of the turnover of the portfolio. So, in in a good month, I I might have five sales. In a bad month, I might have two or three sales. But but most of my sales are three thousand five hundred to fifteen thousand range.
0: Right. Now I had a chance to check out your uh, Twitter uh, profile, not portfolio, but profile and saw that at least for 2020, looks like at least the latter part of this year, you you had started reporting some of your sales that were online. Um, And so I documented at least a few of them and saw like back in, uh, what was it, July that you sold workfromhomesolutions.com, which is one, a phenomenal name in terms of it being four words, but you sold it for for five thousand five hundred fifty-five dollars, and so kind of what was the backstory on on that that domain? I saw that name, I I liked it, and
1: and I I think I undersold. I had I not had it on on a bin price, I could have easily sold for eight to nine grand. But then you win some, you lose some. I had bought it for hundred and seventy-five dollars. I I think just a few weeks back, and and it was there on on Afternic, and and it I I think Afternic or Dan, I'm confused. Uh, so it, one of the two platforms, it it really sold very fast. So that that was like zero effort. You buy it, you <laughs> put it there, and it just sells.
0: Now, now, do you think that its sell played a lot into just kind of what we've lived through in terms of everybody being forced online due to COVID?
1: Definitely, definitely. See, otherwise, uh, a four letter dot com, four word dot com selling for that kind of money, uh, it's really tough. But given, given I, I checked later on the, the other permutation combinations for for that that combination of words were all taken and nothing was available for less than 10 grand.
0: So that's interesting. So you had it set to a bin price, a buy it now price. Now, the, I guess, was it just one of those that you just set and you just kind of forgot about it or you just? Yeah.
1: I I just put in, and I, I I should have done my homework before putting the pricing in, so that that was a lesson learned that I I got a bit lazy, <laughs> didn't do my homework, and but still it's happy. I bought for I'll just check. I think I bought for one seventy five dollars, and I sold it for that price.
0: So not now, a bad, ROI. So so then how did how did it come across your radar? Was that something that you went out and looked for, or you know just uh, how did you stumble upon it?
1: It, it had a uh, good CPC, so typically uh I, I go through domain lists every day, so i I, I the primary tool I use is expireddomains.net and mm-hmm. and i I go through the pending deletes I, I go through the inventory at nameJet, I go through the inventory at GoDaddy auctions. These are the three venues i I keep looking at every day and i I think the reason this one jumped up was the CPC was good on that, and that's the reason i I think so that point in time I acquired it.
0: Nice. And I also saw that. Uh, what was it in September? You sold the business of for three thousand three hundred and thirty three dollars. Now, what's significant to me about this one was that you purchased it in 2012 for thirty one dollars. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, you, you basically what is that? A hundred a hundred times, a hundred times multiple <laughs> or, or a little over that. Um, I, I, I which is phenomenal.
1: I always liked like that one. The business of life is got got that catchy slogan, sales marketing pitch, kind of a thing, more towards the motivational side of things. so there there are some names you you just like the ring of it, and i I never got rid of that one, and it's old
0: so now now, one thing that that kind of struck me about both of these sales, in terms of your pricing, like do you often use the same number? in four, you know, four times, five times in a row? Is that something that you do on a normal basis? So like, you know, with the business of life, it's $3,333, work from home solutions, $5,555. Is that something that you do in terms of your pricing or kind of what's your strategy when you price?
1: So it, it again, depends upon uh, the kind of uh, names I have, the bucket I have put in and, Uh, to a certain extent, uh, the addressable market for the domain name based on that. But I keep reworking the prices uh, ev- every every quarter based on the sales data, which uh, keep on coming in. That's the simple mantra
0: I follow. Interesting. So then you can find yourself changing prices then at least every, let's just say 60 to 90 days
1: then. See, I'll, I'll, I'll share the on, on the pricing front. Also, many a times uh, we underestimate a domain name. Mm. Uh, uh, recently, 4 which I had posted on Twitter, but but then the buyer did not want me to put it and I removed it, which I sold for a five-figure sum. I, I wouldn't have priced at that one, but the earnings and the, the traffic on that one made me re-rate that. So it, it, it's really a lot of combinations which play the traffic with the domain name, uh, if if something happens which is relevant to the industry of the domain name, if the matrix of the business itself changes and that that niche becomes like with electric cars with Tesla mm-hmm. becoming the the stock uh, going like oh over the dock, the, the rocket the, the electric the domains in the electric car segment have have rocketed after Hiren Patel sold a name for six figures. So there are a lot of matrix unless and until we we keep uh, redefining the prices on our names. I, I think we have to be at our feet every time taking new information and keep repricing them
0: yeah because if not uh, then you you could wind up in in those situations and i've had it happen uh to where you know i i had a uh, health name that i you know, kind of satin for forget. I forgot it, and it it ended up selling for something like fifteen hundred dollars that I probably could have gotten three to four thousand for. Um, not, but it's it's also dependent upon, on, like you said, unforeseen things happening, like COVID. Uh, COVID hit. I for basically name was not even on the radar, and it while it sold and it was a hand registration. That's great. But again, I left a lot of money on the table. So yeah, so I think that just goes to the point of, like you said, you're reviewing quarterly, basing it on that data, and then adjusting, you know, accordingly.
1: To give you an example, Rick reported yesterday, go bet 850 I just checked my portfolio last evening. I have betting club, which is not that bad a name. So I would certainly reprice a name like betting club maybe it might not sell for the price range i might aspire but definitely i'll, I'll double the price
0: right so even if it was let's just say it was $75,000 then you, in, in juxtaposed to to sell yep. of 850,000 yep. you know you could easily say well i could easily you know go to 150,000 uh mm-hmm. 200,000 just based upon the i guess you'd say proximity of location to ricksell or proximity to sell.
1: You have a data point to share with with a a potential buyer because then you can show something which has almost similar value and and you can base on it that, hey, this might be outlier, but there are future buyers who might be willing to go for that price. So if you have a price point to base your decision on, the buyer might simply ask you what's the data point you're using to quote me that price. Now that you have a data point to show the price point, the explanation to your asking price, at least you have something to base that upon.
0: Right. And it's pulling you further north than south, which is which is a good thing. And so now, uh, you know, another sale that that struck me as as an odd one was in October when you sold Houston dot com for four thousand eight hundred eighty eight dollars. And it struck me as odd because one, my wife is from a city just north of Houston. That's Conroe. And so at one point in time, I had Conroe Funeral.com, Conroe but here it is. I look and you sold HoustonFuneralHome.com, a three word for nearly almost $5,000. Like kind of what goes through your thought process, because that's a geo service domain. And to a certain extent, I would look and say, man, if I can own HoustonFuneral.com or houstonfunerals.com like I don't know that Houston Funeral Home makes much sense. Like help kind of walk us through at least your thought process for what made you purchase it and then how you set the price on it.
1: You won't believe I actually lost $2,000 on that sale. Can you believe that? (laughs) And I'll come to the story. So I I get a mail out of the blue from one of the uni registry brokers. Again, sheer laziness on my part is I had priced it at Afternic for $4,444. So I I forgot that because this, again, was a, a pretty old domain name. I think I had it for, I think, five or six years because of the high CPC. Not that not those many global searches, but the CPC was really high on that one, and I I priced it and I just forgot about it. And I get a mail uh, from a uni registry broker uh, that, hey, we just sold uh, Houston funeral and the buyer might be looking at other similar names and you have Houston funeral home. If you confirm, then we can pitch the domain name to them. So if you can give us a price, so uh, I forgot the price at after Nick and I gave them a price of seven thousand five hundred. (laughs) <laughs> and And then i I forgot about it. and in a week's time, I get uh, a mail from the broker that hey, I had the buyer at six thousand five hundred. He had climbed to six thousand five hundred. But for what reason I don't know, he went to Afich. he saw that domain for four thousand four hundred and forty four and he actually bought it then and there when he was actually ready to pay 6,500 to the broker at uni registry.
0: That's interesting because I, so I actually had a name like that to where a GoDaddy rep reached out to me and I actually responded and told him, I was like, hey, you know that the domain is actually listed on a dan.com lander. It's there, it's buy it now, it's priced. You know, I said, your, your buyer can actually go out and I think the domain was listed something like 39.95. Now I was willing to go really as low as 2000, but basically responded, I told him, I said, i tell you what, if your buyer, um, I said, if I can net basically 2,800 from it, consider it sold. Um, and he's like, eh, I don't think it, you know i don't think that that the buyer will do it and then the next thing i know it was sold um and so like i've had the that same scenario to happen but uh, more so i guess mine was more intentional than yours uh, where yours is kind of like no we wanted you to purchase it at the 7 not the not the 4 so cool. that is that's interesting and that's and that's a strategy that i often use sometimes is that i will set um, a domain higher, like on a Dan page, if contacted by a broker, and just say, Hey, either you know, you can purchase it for that, or I may knock fifteen hundred dollars off. But in most cases, like I already know, if let's say if I want to net five thousand, I may put a domain, you know, as high sometimes as eighty five hundred, nine thousand, knowing that okay, if I get anything in between, anything really five thousand or more, then uh, I'll be happy but yeah that HoustonFuneralHome.com, that that struck me as one that was odd and i was just like man i said i don't know that i would have priced that as high but like you said there was some other factors involved like cpc so me not knowing um just the cost per click behind it but just at a general level of thinking of just saying it's a geo service name most of those names like you hear things oftentimes uh, well, GeoService, you'll probably only get anywhere from three hundred fifty dollars to seven hundred fifty dollars, and so to see one sell at this, I mean, says a lot. And so, the, obviously, you're you're breaking the mold here of saying that while that may be true, there are cases like yours that that may be anomalies. Yes. See,
1: there's so the, another example uh, if if you would want me to share yeah. about this domain name, which I I think reported on Twitter, a uh, life go life growsgreen.com and I, I think I sold it within one week of acquiring and there was only one end user which was in the weed, the medical cannabis industry. Uh, they they had the exact site on our .inc extension. I bought this name for $79 just, just on a hunch and hmm. they approached me within a week and I sold it for $3,500. Wow. $79 to $3,500.
0: A week flip? Yep. I guess when you so when you go after a domain like that, obviously the most domain areas are. So are you looking for companies that are on non dot com extensions in, in that case? Certainly, yes, mm.
1: certainly yes, because the company might be growing. The company might have funding the growing company might be in expansion phase. They might be opening new branches so as, as i said uh, as as the business of acquiring new domains becomes tougher and tougher because the price for the generics is going through the roof in the in the drops in the auctions you need to work harder more smarter and and look for the names which nobody else is chasing that's where where you make your money See, as as in business they all the, the saying is you always make money on the buy side not on the sale side right. so as as long as you can buy names which others are not really looking at and not bumping them up uh, I, I think that's where you'll make your real money, which keeps on adding up. If you if you do this over a period of time, it really adds up to a nice kitty.
0: Definitely. Now, you know, I mean, obviously, we, we've talked about some of your dot-com sales. Now, you've had some interesting non-dot-com sales as well, um, mm-hmm. you know, as of recent, because I think you sold friends.biz. I think I saw on Twitter a few days ago. Yeah. What goes through your mind to go, yeah, friends.biz, that makes sense.
1: I remember picking it up from a GoDaddy auction last year, I think so. When I was checking these matrix and I saw friends.biz, I saw the word friends is registered in 350 extensions, 350 uh. plus. And I just got it for $30. So that was more like a lottery ticket that day. if it sells, it sells. It, it's still a generic TLD extension. And for $30, I think even if I sell it to one of the domain forums, that's something which i can recover any day and every day so that that was just more like a fun kind of a stuff and and the buyer approached me and said fifteen hundred dollars that's all i have i said if you pay me in two days it's yours and i created the buy now price on dan and they went ahead and they paid for it and it was done and dusted sometimes you buy these names just for the heck of it because it's a generic <laughs> extension and it really costs you peanuts and it's worth the risk. I put it that way. It's worth the risk.
0: When you put it that way, you, it it seems to me, and this is probably a great lesson for, for listeners just in general of hearing you speak about your strategy, you're in a mindset of how do I limit and reduce, if not eliminate uh, risk altogether to create uh you know an upside of you know the hundred multiple or the hundred times multiple or really any sort of three-figure multiple and that's just something that one, it takes, it takes uh, skill, it takes experience to know what to look for, what the attributes are, the signals, if you will, that are signaling you. Now we've changed this multiplier from five to 10, now it's gone from 10 to 50. So uh, that's something that it's like hearing you speak that I pick up on. It's like, that's kind of your, how do I limit risk while increasing uh, the multiple?
1: it more depends upon the kind of risk you're willing to put in the kind of money you're willing to put in if you have access to a lot of capital Mm. either you can go and buy whatever you want at whatever prices is available or you can wait for the right moment keep on trying and buy a select few but at the right price see uh, to give you a, a small understanding of how much work it now makes with so many new investors Uh, On a typical day, if I'm going through the list from a list, which is a couple of thousand, I might maybe pick up 30 to 35 names, which I decide to choose and chase. And then I load them in in the backend system or or I put my bids in into GoDaddy or Namejet or SnapNames or DropCatch, And then whoever catches them. After going through that and after shortlisting the list to just 30 or 35 names, in today's market, I'm still losing 99% of my auction. Just imagine the kind of work which is simply going down the drain. But I'm still willing to work for that 1% because I know that 1% which I'm going to acquire is from a select list, is at a price which I want to pay, is not overpriced, and will definitely sell for a high four-figure or a five-figure price. So the cost uh-huh. of portfolio which I'm building is maybe the speed is low, but the cost is really low.
0: That is interesting. And so then I guess, are there extensions like that you don't touch? You know, because obviously you, you've you had .com, .biz, .net, .org. Like, are there extensions that you just kind of pretty much stay away from? Like, do you invest in any CCTLDs or no?
1: Nothing, nothing. I just had three biz domain names. One I have sold. I still have two. That is also I bought last year. Otherwise, I would not have touched .biz. So I would say ninety-five percent of my portfolio is .com, and the balance five percent is equal between .net and .org. Gotcha.
0: Like so, so really, then you're not .coms. You're. It's more about a a quick a quick flip, uh, more than it is just really kind of holding on to it. Then. Yeah, and another face I
1: am really bullish about, and I really like is the .co.uk space. So I'm also one of the largest uh, portfolio holders of two-letter.co.uk. So I have quite a few of those, as well as one-word.co.uk. Like I recently had an offer of, I I think $40,000 on Peach.co.uk. I have names like modeling.co.uk, surrogacy.co.uk. So I am still bullish on the co.uk space.
0: Now, what makes .co.uk uh, special in, in terms of how, how you view it as an investment?
1: Certain markets are very specific uh, to the country-specific TLDs. Like with Germany, they are very specific with .des. Even if it is with a hyphen, I've seen names with three hyphens you would never believe somebody having a website on a domain name with three hyphens. I, trust <laughs> me, I've seen it and it's a pretty popular site. So with, with Germany, they have absolutely no inhibitions with a hyphen, but as far as possible, 99.99% they'll like to stick with a .de extension, unless or until it's a multinational company, wherein they'll also have a .com, but the primary site will be on a .de. Mm. So similarly, with France, it's .fr. The same connotation applies to UK. As far as possible, 99% of the times they will try to build their site on a .co.uk space. And I, I've had some great success with selling domain names in that space. And the way I see it, I bought those two letter I I think six years back or something like that. And I, I will probably start selling them in another three to four years. So the day I bought it, I, I saw that it it's almost a 10 year wait cycle, but I was willing to wait that much after i paid a, a sizable sum of money so that's my horizon i put it in the long-term bucket that in 10 years time i'll sell my first letter.co.uk. so that's when they start maturing
0: so now you know and it makes sense that obviously if you're local to uh that given country then obviously you can kind of keep up and keep tabs on everything now obviously you're located uh in india and so like how do you keep up with what's going on with .co.uk? Like, I mean, are you following publications? Kind of, how are you keeping up with things in terms of the the ebbs and flows, the pricing of of what's going on with the .dot .co .uk market?
1: I think the biggest lever, one word, is the internet. Mm. So, as as long as you're willing to spend the time and research, it's all out there. So there are forums which are dedicated, just like we have name pros today. There's dot .co .uk. Uh, there are a couple of sites where they have these auctions regularly exclusively for uh, .co.uk domain names. So if, if you just read in the normal post, maybe go there once a week, once in two weeks, just just read everything, just read the sales data. I think that's the best education you can give to yourself free of cost.
0: Now, in terms of uh, just 2020 and, and, and COVID um, impacting the domain industry, kind of what are your thoughts there in terms of, where does the domain industry go from now It has obviously COVID has, you know, impacted the world in a, in a negative manner while at the same time, you know, it's also forced a lot of businesses online. And so kind of looking forward uh, from 2020, like where does the domain industry go from, from here?
1: See, it's only northward. worth COVID has been a personal tragedy for so many of us. So many of us have uh, lost friends, relatives, Right. Uh, elders, neighbors, but on a business front, I I I think uh, this has changed the perception. Traditional businesses used to think that life's not possible beyond uh, if if there's not a drove front to walk into. I think that mindset has now been broken, and now that more and more companies are looking at viable options of either getting online or going on to the next phase or expanding their business. I think it has been a blessing in disguise, especially for the domaining industry. And we, we are heading into the price zone, which, which have never been heard before, especially for good quality keywords. Uh, and I, I think the prices are only going to move northward from here.
0: Interesting. And then in terms of uh, just the Indian domain market, like kind of what's going on, kind of where's the pulse at today?
1: So uh, over, over the last 15 years, the .in and .co.in space has matured. So there are now five figures regularly happening in that market, which are getting reported in dnjournal.com uh, also. As an end user market, as I had shared uh, in a few interviews a couple of years back, the market is really maturing now. You might have heard the Indian company Z.com just bought Zee.com for 700,000. Even five years back, This would have been unheard of, unthinkable. I recently, I think the starting of this year, helped the fourth largest company, software company in India with a market cap of $4 billion acquire a four-letter.com for their business and they paid a princely sum which wouldn't have been imaginable for them a few years back. So the the end-user mentality of Indian companies is definitely changing and now they are opening up. They are are more than willing to pay five-figure and six-figure prices for their exact match domain name, which they wouldn't even have thought of five years back. So that's how the mentality is changing and that rapidly.
0: Interesting. And now what does that mean in terms of like, how are you seeing the domain industry uh, within India? Are you seeing a new crop of domain investors come along there in India? India Is it growing uh, just as well on that same trajectory?
1: Huge. I I think the influx of new domain years is defined by one word, huge. They are tons and tons of people who are getting into this industry. See, but as, as I say, there's, there's a lot of fluff in every industry. And till the point that they start treating this as a real viable business, most of them will lose money. Because mm. for, for still the average domain year is I'll buy a domain name, uh, I'll, I'll flip it, uh, make 2x, 3x. The quantum is what defines your staying power in the industry in the long term. If you buy a domain name for $10 and sell it for $20 and $25, maybe it'll give you instant gratification and happiness for the next 10 minutes of your life. Is it real business? No. <laughs> right. And you do it a thousand times. If you say yes, then it's a business. Otherwise, you're just having, having a good time. You're making some side money, some pocket money. Be happy with it. So that's what is going to happen with 95% of the new crop. They're going to come, burn that money, not really understand the business. And then move out of the industry, but the five percent who are able to stay back are, are going to make a good career out of it.
0: And, and then, and you know, you hit it—you hit an interesting point because there are, you know, many folks who are kind of fly-by-nightish, uh, if you will, in terms of they. There's no longevity there. It's a matter of I came, I made, I went, and in short order, in some cases. And so, you know, when now when you think about things like uh, NamesCon, so obviously rewind rewind this, this clock back 11 months ago and you and I were, we were in the same location. We were in person. I mean, we got to actually meet there in Austin. Uh, here we are 11 months later and we find ourselves in a total different world um, of having to virtually meet online. Like how does that change things in terms of the domain industry of, Like NamesCon, really um, going, having to move online and then even moving forward into 2021. I mean, what does that look like for, uh, or what do you think it looks like in terms of it impacting the domain industry? So, like having a hybrid event and in person as well as a virtual thing all in one, like how does that change the industry?
1: See, I, I think that was a brilliant decision for the simple reason that people who travel from other countries, especially from South Asia to US, Yes. Mm-hmm. That that's a hefty cost. Forget about the, at least for me, it's a forty-hour door-to-door. By the time I leave my house, by the time I I check into my hotel, it's a forty-hour journey, three flights. So for some, it's two flights, uh, but and and maybe thirty hours door-to-door. And that that also not only the time implication, it it's a huge cost given the international affairs, the 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 currency fluctuation, the price difference, the hotels, the the meals, everything, the transportation. So every time somebody decides to, to make a journey, it's a sizable, sizable decision for the average domain uh, in in this part of uh, the world. Mm. Now with a $59 admission fee and, and access to all the rooms, the lounges, all the sessions, I think it has bought more value, more content, more opportunities for people to learn uh, from some of the best. The brightest and and the most successful in the industry and and get to share their knowledge in the comfort of their house without any additional cost at their comfort and at their convenience which they can hear again and again because these are recorded sessions and i i think that's a brilliant opportunity for people to listen and learn and upgrade themselves by listening to some of these people who are sharing this knowledge basically for free
0: yeah and so like with yourself because obviously having as much experience as you have like what does namescom bring you like what value does it bring to you your strategy um and just your overall vision for for where it is that you see yourself going
1: so i go there for two reasons the the network i make and meet old friends i i think once a year the the or twice a year the travel to us is is worth because i get to meet so many old friends uh make a new network See, my, my personal philosophy over the years has been that you never make business in a conference. You make the connections, you make some friends who are lifelong, and it, business happens later on because you've made all these connections. So go there, have a good time, chill, and, and meet friends. Uh, look at the way we, we, we talked in, in NamesCon, and today we are here speaking virtually o- over a session, which would have never been possible had there been not a physical version of NamesCon.
0: Indeed, indeed. now like long term then, in terms of uh, where you see things going for yourself, like what do you think's on the horizon? just what do you see looking forward into 2021?
1: I, I think oneworld.coms are really going to get more price here. The drop auctions are going to get really, really expensive for the average guy. But what I also see is the next set of domain years are are going to concentrate their energy, either on the long term, uh, long tail domain names or, or the lesser extensions, which is .NET and .org, because there are still plenty of opportunities in, in that space. And there's still money to be made, uh, in the drops in that segment.
0: Nice. Well, then wrapping up, one of the last questions is, you know, what would be your advice to someone, you know, that's starting their journey into uh, domain investing, domain development, like where should they start in your opinion?
1: I think if somebody wants to be in this industry, I would seriously advise them to six months, just sit and study. It can mm-hmm. be DN journal, it can be name bio, it can be name pros, It can be the the wealth of knowledge, which we have for free. The blogs, the podcasts, which you do. There are other podcasts. There are so many blogs. And all this is basically for free. Absorb as much as you can. Never sit and cry that I was not there in 1999. And I I, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. See, crying never solved any problem. It's your out-of-the-box thinking. How you think different. From the majority of the people, which is going to set you apart, and if you can bring that one percent of of a differential thinking, it is what is going to set you apart. Barriers are always going to be there. If, if you think differently, and if you if you take that barrier as an opportunity, I I I think nothing will stop you from having a success in the domaining industry. We have so many examples from the new crop of domainers like Yogi Solanki and others who really came out of nowhere and and have had I think twenty five thousand dollars of sales. And there are tons of names which drop which nobody even looks at right so there's there's always opportunity but invest your time in learning in researching in learning the tools of the trade never blame the trade if you put in the time and effort there's always an opportunity in anything you do treat it as a business and success shall be yours
0: indeed and you mentioned yogi and and obviously yogi has uh has hit up on success but that that's not been without hard work of uh True. of outbounding and so like now do you find yourself now do you outbound any or no
1: i haven't uh because there are two reasons i'm lazy the biggest <laughs> reason <laughs> uh, uh. The, the second reason is that I have a strong philosophy that if you are outbound, the art of negotiation says the ball is already in the court of your opponent. Mm. If you want to exact the exact price or a higher price, if you expect to extract the maximum possible juice from your domain name, that's when the other person is in your court. That's when the other person wants the domain name for his business at your terms. Right. My personal philosophy is that's when you have the best price possible, which is not at all. With outbound, maybe you sell selling at half your asking price. Given the the lengths I go to to acquire my names and it being a small portfolio, I don't think I, I would be willing to do that if I need to extract the maximum possible juice out of that portfolio.
0: So that makes complete sense. And, and you know, we, you also have to look at... Everyone's cir- circumstances are different. Like your circumstances are different than a yogi, uh, but you're doing what what suits you best, um, and that's the thing. It's kind of like you got to find your own lane. So I guess last but not least, I mean, is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners? How they might get in contact with you? Should they have questions from this interview?
1: So I, I'm I'm there on Facebook. I'm there on Twitter. I'm there on LinkedIn. All all three mediums are are. Uh, easily accessible. My email ID is Deepak underscore doctory at Yahoo.com. I still have a Yahoo email ID, so don't (laughs) laugh over it. (laughs) Again, as I said, I'm too lazy to change my email ID, so feel free to hit me up, and and I would try to answer to the best of my ability.
0: Well, certainly. Well, with that, Deepak, we're out of time. So, Deepak, thank you again for joining us today and sharing your uh, entrepreneurial as well as your domain investing journey.
1: Thanks for having me on your show, Alvin. It's been really a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And thank you listeners for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks, and that's all for now.